This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. It's day 21 of the partial government shutdown, and so far there doesn't appear to be an end in sight. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration, which oversees the approval of new drugs and oversees about 80 percent of our food supply, is among the agencies that are impacted. On Wednesday, FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb announced that routine inspections would be temporarily suspended as hundreds of agency inspectors have been furloughed. This raises the risk of contaminated food products turning up in stores, restaurants, and other locations. Gottlieb tried to reassure the public that he's working on bringing back inspectors next week for the more high-risk food facilities. We discussed the significance of this move with uh, Marion Nessel, who's a professor of nutrition, food studies, and public health emerita at New York University, as well as a visiting professor of nutritional sciences at Cornell University. And also with us is Craig Hedberg, professor in the Division of Environmental Health, Serv- health Sciences excuse me, at the University of Minnesota School of Public Health. He's also co-director of the Minnesota Integrated Food Safety Center of Excellence. Marion, great to talk to you again. Craig, thank you very much for your time today. Great. So I guess let's start with the food inspections, which, uh, from what we understand, uh, Marion, have stopped uh, altogether at this point. For people that don't follow closely, how prevalent are inspections uh, over the course of a, of a month for a restaurant or a, uh, a grocery store? And what impact will it have of not having these inspections in place? Well, I'm not aware that the FDA does uh, grocery stores and okay. um, and restaurants. That's usually done by city health departments, at least that I know. Uh, FDA does pr- food production facilities, and it does them very rarely. There are about 90,000 um, in the United States. The FDA is very short-staffed um, and conducts inspections of the high-risk production facilities about once every three years. So having a three or four week um, delay doesn't seem to me to make very much difference. The really upsetting part about it is the idea that there aren't inspections at all. This is going, it's kind of like when the cats are away, the mice will play. Right. Um, I mean, this kind of gives permission uh, to food production facilities to kind of get a little sloppy, I'm afraid. Craig, your thoughts? Well, I uh, I, I certainly uh, concur that, um, you know, the, the food safety system that we've built in this country is really dependent on the food producer being responsible for producing food safety. And as Marion has indicated, uh, FDA plays an oversight role, but but they're not in there uh, every day making sure that things work. And, and the, the point she also made is that, you know, we have a multi-layered system. So we have federal oversight over some food facilities. We also have state and local uh, inspectors and regulators who are working with the industry uh, as well. Uh, and at retail level, that is all state and local uh, supervision. Uh, I mentioned the the comments uh, by uh, Commissioner Gottlieb about trying to see if he could do something with the quote unquote high risk inventory. That was how it was termed. Craig, what would what would be a high risk food sector that they would actually be involved with? 
Well, the uh, you know certainly some of the some of the food uh, production systems that would be high risk. You know, all of our uh, infant formula would, would certainly be high risk food production. Uh, you know, dairy, seafood, and and fresh produce uh, are also all uh, potentially high risk uh, settings. But uh, but it, but again, you know what. What FDA is primarily doing is making sure that the food safety programs that companies have developed are, are working and being implemented the way that they're supposed to be working. Uh, and so, uh, you know, a short-term uh, disruption of that uh, is, shouldn't have a, a big impact on food safety per se. You know, I think when we, the, the longer this goes out, you know, the, the opportunities for bad things to happen begin to multiply. Um, but I think, you know, the, the, the whole system that's developed really relies on the responsibility of the food producers, and that doesn't go away uh, when inspectors are, are on furlough. Marion, your thoughts? Uh, I think we have real problems with our food safety system in this country um, because the FDA has been um, an agency that has been consistently underfunded by Congress for at least 20 to 25 or 30 years. Uh, Congress doesn't like regulatory agencies, and the FDA in particular um, has been underfunded, understaffed, um, forced to develop programs for food safety that are totally reliant on producers for doing what they're supposed to do. The new food safety laws spell out what food producers are supposed to do, but we know that there are recalls of food products practically every day. Yeah. Sometimes these recalls are extremely serious and affect multiple states and hundreds of individuals who get very, very ill. Um, and the only way to prevent that is by following food safety procedures uh, in extraordinary detail and in total commitment. When that's done, we don't have food safety problems, or we have many, many fewer. But it's really easy to cut corners. It's difficult yeah. to train staff to follow those, appro those procedures appropriately. And if nobody is minding the store and nobody is paying attention to this, um, then these little um, avoidances of having to follow the details <clears throat> can happen. And I think that's the real problem here, is you've got to have oversight, and we don't have nearly enough of it. Well, and just the cost, I would think, uh, Marion, that these companies incur in putting these systems in place to make sure that they don't have to deal with recalls. Just that cost alone, if a company can be able to save in that area, they're going to try and maybe cut a few corners. Um, they'll try and cut a few corners in any way they can. The procedures are complicated to follow and require every single person who's involved in the uh, production system to adhere to appropriate procedures. And, you know, I mean, this sounds very vague, but um, it means keeping your hands clean, and it means, you know, wearing gloves, and it yep. means testing, and they hate testing. They just absolutely hate it, because if you test and find something, it means you can't sell it. 
Uh, and uh, th- this is just, these are problems are built into the system. The new food safety laws, the Food Safety Modernization Act, was um, developed to try to deal with a lot of this. Um, but we still have recalls all the time, and we right. need to do a much, much better job. Well, Craig, what about the, the recalls themselves specifically? Uh, I would imagine that, that recalls are put on the shelf, at least for the time being. Well, the recalls are are generated from uh, several different perspectives. One is that, uh, you know, testing either by the company or by regulatory agencies may detect the presence of uh, a pathogen in a food item. Uh, And those will uh, continue to go on uh, with or without FDA. As I mentioned, we have state uh, health departments and state departments of agriculture who are working sort of in parallel with FDA on a lot of these issues. We also uh, have recalls that are generated by uh, the detection and investigation of outbreaks of foodborne illness, Uh, and that is going to continue to go on. Now, um, you know, our our public health system that is responsible for doing foodborne disease surveillance, uh, you know, that pieces of that that work with FDA are are continuing to work. Uh, CDC and the state health departments uh, are continuing to work. So that that critical surveillance oversight of the food system is continuing to operate. Uh, And and we would anticipate that, um, you know, that if there is a problem that develops uh, our, our surveillance system, you know, will have some ability to pick that up. Now, that's not always sort of what we want to see happening, but the reality is with the sort of the complexity of the food supply that frequently uh, surveillance and detection of outbreaks is really critical to identifying uh, problems in our food system. So then, let me ask you this, Craig. Then, for the consumer that is listening to us out there right now, uh, has really anything changed for them in terms of their awareness of these potential issues uh, because of the shutdown? I would say no, because you know, as as Marion indicated, uh, what FDA is currently doing in terms of their inspections and oversight. Uh, you know, is is very episodic. And so, you know, the, the fact that we haven't had inspections, uh, you know, that uh, have occurred over the past few uh, few weeks doesn't really change the, the basic structure of how food is moving uh, and what companies are doing to, to safeguard uh, the food supply. You know, so from a consumer perspective, you know, there, there's no reason to believe that the food in the restaurant or the grocery store is fundamentally any different today than it would have been a month ago. Marion? I would totally agree. Um, you know, if, if the FDA is required to or does in practice inspect a high-risk facility once every three years, another three or four weeks aren't going to make any difference at all. Right. Um, the real question is when you don't have oversight of this, um, uh, everybody gets sloppy. Right. Um, you need somebody to you, – you need to make sure that these procedures are being followed. And, you know, the, the way that our current food safety system works is that the main – as far as I can tell, the, the main um, – 
oversight of this comes from the legal challenges. Right. There's a lawyer in Seattle, you know, who's made a very nice living on suing companies that poison consumers. Um, and you would think that companies would do everything that they possibly could to avoid poisoning their customers. Um, but somehow the the scientific issues involved in food safety don't register um, in ways that you wish that they would. Um, and some companies do it better than others, and the ones that do it really well don't have problems. Well, going beyond the, the fact that obviously that the, a lot of these inspections aren't getting done now, and to a degree they haven't been getting done anyway prior to the uh, to the shutdown, Marion, what are some of the changes that you would like to see in general occur with the FDA? Oh, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Right. How about a single food safety agency that combines the efforts of the Department of Ag- Agriculture, which oversees meat and dairy products, and the FDA, which does 80% of the, the food supply and everything else? And the same sets of rules and regulations for both agencies would be a nice thing to do. Um, the, the rules that are in place aren't bad. Uh, and if they're followed, they work. The trick is making them work and having an oversight system that encourages everybody to do the right thing. Craig, your thoughts? No, I, I think uh, you know those are, are very rational uh, approaches to to doing things. Um, you know, Frank Ianis, who is taking over a leadership position within FDA, has been you know one of the the people trying to build a, a culture of food safety in food industry. Uh, and, and I think that there's still a lot of that culture which uh, needs to permeate through the, the, the government as well. Yeah, can I say something about sure. the culture of, uh, of that? Because I think it's really critically important point. Um, you want food companies to be taking food safety seriously and feeling that it's an integral part of what they're doing and not something that's being imposed on them from outside. That culture is very difficult to develop, um, but is totally worth it. And within government agencies, the same kind of culture is required, that this is something that is so important to us that we will do everything we can to make sure that the products we're producing don't poison our customers. Marion, you mentioned the USDA, and, and, and since you did, I'll touch on that for just a second. Uh, I, I would imagine that they are in the same boat as the FDA in terms of any inspections that they would be doing looking at, at meat and chicken products. Well, they must still be on the job because okay. meat and chicken are still being produced. Right. And the USDA rules are different. Okay. Um, they have inspectors in place in production facilities, and those facilities cannot operate if, a, if an inspector is not in place. And so I guess they must be exempt employees who are working without pay. Uh, yeah. And your eyes roll about what that must be like. Craig? No, I, that, that, that's entirely true. The, uh, the, the, the inspectors who are on the line uh, in the meat and poultry plants uh, are continuing to work. Um, and uh, you know that's you know one of the one of the concerns with trying to build a single food safety agency is 
is taking the very different inspection regimes that are operating within USDA's uh, food safety inspection system and FDA's approach and and trying to come up with a a coherent uh, blend of those approaches. Well, Craig, you're there in Minnesota, which obviously is a a heavy agriculture state. What is the conversation going on uh, like right now in Minnesota with uh, various companies and and producers because of the fact that this shutdown, uh, where the FDA is concerned, has, uh, has, uh, has maybe changed the dynamic a little bit? Well, uh, you know, I think the the, the shutdown affects a, a lot of different uh, operations uh, that are of a concern to our, our food producers. And actually, some of the things that are more top of their mind are sort of the some of the disruptions that, from markets that have come with tariffs and and trying to rebuild uh, rebuild some of their business enterprises from that standpoint more than this food safety issue associated with FDA. We're joined on the phone by Craig Hedberg of the University of Minnesota, Marion Nessel of uh, New York University. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Marion, I want to switch over to the drug side for a second, because obviously the FDA very involved uh, in drug approvals and the process that goes on there. Uh, and I would imagine there are a variety of pieces to that sector that, that would be potentially impacted because of this shutdown as well. Uh, that's not something I know a thing about. Okay. All right. No problem. <laughs> so I'll pass on that one. All right. Well, then, uh, then I'll leave that be because, because Craig, I, I mean, I'm not sure how much you would get into that as well, but, I mean, it, it is a, a potential significant issue. It, it is, and, and uh, I also will claim not to be okay. an expert in that area. Okay. Uh, not a problem. We're joined again by Marion Nessel of New York University, Craig Hedberg of the University of Minnesota. 844-WHARTON is the number to give us a call, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. It is interesting, Marion, going back to what you were saying about about processes that you would like to see with the, with the FDA, it is such a, a, a large entity that they have to oversee that being able to do something like what the USDA does where they have inspectors in all of those plants for meat and chicken that would be a, a, a quite an extensive pull I would think maybe even larger than what the USDA has to deal with am I correct? Oh, you're absolutely correct. Um, you know, there are some very weird things about the whole food safety system that I find absolutely mind-boggling. One is that the that for ancient historical reasons. The FDA's funding comes from uh, legislative agriculture committees. Um, Even though the FDA is an agency of the Public Health Service um, and is a public health agency, it gets its money from the agriculture appropriations committees um, and for for long historical reasons. Agriculture committees are not particularly interested in the FDA, even though FDA uh, is responsible for 80% of the food that we eat and the agriculture department is responsible for 20%, agriculture gets 80% of the funding for food safety, and the FDA gets 20%. Um, So this is a hugely underfunded agency with no political clout 
anywhere in Congress, uh, or very little political clout in Congress. I, I mean, just, I think it's a terrible situation and really needs to be looked at and changed. But that's not going to happen, and it's not going to happen soon. Right. Um, so then the, that means that the FDA is required to try to figure out how to manage hundreds of thousands of food or a hundred thousand food production places, um, enormous numbers of products, uh, the, uh, imports. You know, think about foods, uh, shrimp and vegetables coming in from uh, international countries. Yeah. Dietary supplements. Uh, you know, just this vast number of products, some of which could be harmful in minor ways, some of which could uh, be lethal and are lethal. Uh, it's just a, a tremendous job. And so the way that the agency has uh, figured out that the only way that it can manage this kind of thing is by making the producers responsible with occasional oversight. And Craig explained that system, that the producers are required to develop food safety plans overseen by the FDA. Um, and the, their plans have to be approved. Um, and their plans sort of work out where the major hazards are in the production process and what they're doing to, to prevent those hazards from occurring. It's a system that was developed... Um, for NASA, for astronauts who are in the out of, outer space, and the idea of having astronauts get food poisoning in outer space is not pretty. In under conditions of zero gravity, it's not pretty to think about. Yeah. And so the, it, it works in outer space. It works on land as well, but only if the procedures are followed. Craig, how often do those plans that uh, that companies have to come up with and and uh, submit and have monitored by the FDA? How often do those have to be looked at and potentially adjusted? Well, I, I think. Um from a regulatory standpoint, I'm not sure what the, that answer is. But from a real standpoint, uh, you know, one of the challenges of producing food safely is that, uh, you know, food production is a constantly evolving uh, series of activities from sourcing raw materials, which is happening on a global basis, to, uh, you know, to dealing with uh, new manufacturing uh, techniques and new testing techniques. Uh, uh, programs that come into place, you know, the, we have sort of a, a constantly uh, evolving food system. And so, um, you know, these are, are you know, in, in theory, every time something changes within the, the food manufacturing system, whether they're bringing, uh, you know, produce in from a, a new source or, uh, whether they're changing a, a process in their manufacturing facility, they should be reviewing, you know, this food safety plan and, and having it vetted by someone with some expertise uh, in that to right. make sure that they're not inadvertently uh, introducing a hazard. Um, there, there's lots of examples of companies that have made changes to their systems 
thinking they were improving a process only to find out that they were actually introducing a a problem. Marion, quickly want to get your uh, comment on a comment we received on Twitter uh, about this uh, topic uh, from uh, Charlie Harney. Uh, She says, U.S. has the uh, safest food supply in the world. Why would a food producer jeopardize or slack off with it without oversight? How would that keep them in biz? She adds, food recalls equals the safety system is working. Um... I don't even know how to respond to that. I don't know if we have the safest food supply in the world. That's um, something that's often said. But even if we do, we have a lot of problems with it. And those problems only come to public attention when something really bad happens um, or something bad happens to enough people so that it comes to public attention. Um, I think it's a really good question about why any food company would think it was cheaper in the long run to have to deal with recalls and legal uh, expenses and all of those other things that follow really bad outbreaks than to try to prevent them in the first place. Uh, But the observation is that companies would rather take that risk or some companies would rather take that risk. In some cases, it's just a really difficult problem. And I think the the leafy greens issue is one that's just been extraordinarily difficult to manage. Um, But, yeah, we could do better, and companies could do better, and they need to develop a culture where that becomes something that keeps them up at night. Great having you both with us today. Thank you, Marion. Thank you, Craig. All the best. Great. Thank you. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 